0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the DTF podcast that is the Doster, T.O., and Fanta podcast. It is currently 10-21 Eastern Standard Time, the only legitimate time zone on Tuesday, September 20th. My name is Rob Doster. I have with me Terrence Oglesby. I have with me John Fanta. We have a lot that we need to get into today. Amadi Bates got arrested. There is an age limit change potentially coming down the pipe from the NBA draft. We got to talk about realignment. We have a couple of questions that we ask you guys, and I think one of them is going to be a lot of fun to, uh, to get into the most talented team that has missed the NCAA tournament in the last five years. I have a lot of options. A lot of blue bloods are on that list. Uh, Before we get into all of that, though, let me introduce my co-host, John Fanta from Fox Sports, Terrence Oglesby, uh, who is the Clemson legend. The the sniper? The rifleman? What's your nickname?
1: Rifleman, sniper. You pick one. I'll go with it. Bucket getter.
0: Certified bucket getter. What's going on, gentlemen? How are we doing?
2: Doing okay after a therapy Monday as a Cleveland Browns fan. Don't want to get into it too much, but uh, for those of you who know me and listen to this podcast, my goodness gracious, uh, just in a state of shock and sadness, losing a 13-point lead in the final two minutes of a football game should never be acceptable, is not acceptable, inexcusable, and we lost it to Bobby D. son's New York Jets. What a freaking joke. What a freaking disgrace. To I, clear, I digress, my, but I, I'm doing okay.
0: To be to be clear, my son doesn't actually like the Jets. He just we were watching that game, and he decided he liked the green team that was named after the airplanes. I was rooting for your dogs, Fanta. I was uh, uh, I, I had him. Tia, let me ask you a question. Yeah, You're, let's let's pretend that that you didn't play basketball. You played football. Let's pretend that you were a running back. Let's pretend that you are in a situation where you are playing a game. It is under the two minute warning. Uh, the team that you are playing against has no timeouts and you from about the 20 yard line, you get a run, you're heading towards the end zone. It's wide open. They're letting you score because they want to try to get the ball back. What do you do?
1: Depends on if I'm on my own fantasy team, first <laughs> off. Be- because I was playing, I, I was playing a guy who had Nick Chubb in that situation. And of course he gets the touchdown, loses the game. There should have been something taken off that football. I'd probably, I would probably kneel it. You gotta win. I would
0: 1,000% take that thing into the end zone. 1,000%. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah. I'm out for the glory, man.
1: Yeah, but Nick Chubb's gonna get paid regardless. Yeah. Oh,
2: oh. Well, this is a basketball podcast, but let (laughs) me be very clear. If you're blaming the most valuable player on the team, if you want to say that he should have lied down, And, and just taking the, the tackle and and himself and let the clock run. Uh, Okay. That's not on him though. He's not a game clock manager. He's a football player. Okay. And he's made smart decisions. He's the best player on that team. They wouldn't be who they are without him. You missed an extra point. You gave up an (laughs) 80 yard pass. You couldn't recover an onside kick after you call the timeout. How many times guys in basketball and football do coaches use a timeout and then the timeout actually backfires on them? Cause you're giving the other team more time to figure things out. All of these things and more are much worse reasons than a running back deciding to, to lay down or, or not go in. And if you're going to blame it on him, you are an absolute idiot, idiot, idiot.
0: <laughs> I will say Thanks, this. It's just, it's just another example <laughs> Uh, for the Cleveland Browns this season where it was not a happy ending. Um all right, we're we
1: we got a quite Oh a bit Rob, done.
2: are you kidding me right now, Rob? The
1: digs keep coming.
2: How are you going to segue us now?
1: Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, how's this transition gonna go? Cause Cause
2: gonna go, going to go? Because you're going to go, you're going from, from one legal coffee. matter to another. I think. Well,
0: yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. I do want to uh, put together a couple of programming notes really quick. Um, if you guys are uh, interested at all in buying some Field of sixty eight merch, like a pull out your Torvik T shirt, shout out to To for that one. Uh, our merch store just opened up. It's Field of sixty eight dot shop. If you use the promo code touchdown, you get twenty percent off at checkout with your first order i uh, we'll have the link in the description below as always make sure that you go and check out the field of 68 daily that is our newsletter it comes out every morning 8 30 a.m from monday through friday all year round so if you are a college hoops junkie and you are not subscribed to that you are missing out It is this run by my former boss over at nbc sports mike miller we have tristan freeman of busting brackets riley davis sean paul uh greg waddell some of the best writers in the industry are doing an excellent job thing. They they do, do an a, excellent job. It keeps really it's the job. first thing I read every single morning when I get to my uh, my desk and I get to my computer. Uh, and lastly, the almanac comes out Monday, September 26th. The promo code there is hoops. You get 20% off if you pre-order, so that gives you six more days to pre-order and save yourself. on uh, on getting the almanac. 800 pages, 600,000 words. We spoke to every single one of the 363 Division I head coaches to put that thing together. It is an absolute beast. Uh, I'm really proud of the work that we've done to put that thing uh, together and get it out. All right, we'll talk about the age limit in a minute because I have a lot of thoughts on that. First and foremost, Amani Bates. He was arrested on Sunday night. He was driving a car he ran i believe he ran a stop sign maybe he ran through a ran through a red light uh, but he was pulled over they found a gun in the car the gun apparently had an altered id number on it uh he was arrested for two felonies he spent the night in jail he uh he was released on bond on monday morning and uh, he has since been suspended from the eastern michigan team eastern michigan of course is in ypsilanti which is his hometown which is uh where he tried to get out of when he went to Memphis uh, for his freshman season. So um I have a lot of thoughts on this. Uh Tio, I'm going to go to you first on this one. Where do you stand on Amani? What do you think is going to end up happening here? For the record, what his lawyer is saying is that he borrowed the car from somebody and it was not his gun. Uh, He did not even know the gun was in the car.
1: And now he's in a difficult position because now he's got to bail out his boy and say it was his boy's gun. And then, And here's the thing, too, whenever I first heard it, I was like, gosh, this kid cannot get it together. There is so much going on. He goes home in the middle of the season, and then he transfers back home to where everybody says he needs to get away from, and then this happens. It's like the kid can't get out of his own way. And it's just, first of all, I don't blame the kid for the stuff earlier. I think he's had people that have told him the wrong things. And I think that's hard. This part is more difficult. Did he know the gun was in the car? There's a lot of ifs and did he or did he nots involved in this situation. So I feel like we need to reserve a little judgment. In our dealings with Imani Bates and and you guys and how you guys have talked to him and how Jeff has described him, he doesn't seem like a brushed-off serial number of a gun type of kid. So I actually think it's plausible now that it isn't his and I hope it isn't his because I, I I've come, I've come to a point now where it's like, God, can Imani Bates catch a break. Like, like that was the first time since we've been talking about the kid, since we've been covering the kid where I'm just like, man, he can't get out of his own way. And to be honest with you, where all of this is going uh, I hope he has a great year. I hope he gets back on the team soon, But obviously, you know, the judicial system and process is going to take a while, uh, which stinks for him. It stinks for his team. But I'll be honest, guys, like the blame lies on him because you need to be a little bit more diligent. You need to know all this stuff. I mean, you, you, you have to look in the mirror at some point, right? But there comes a point where it's like, God, come on, Imani, let's get it together. I need a feel good story. I'm hoping that this kind of turns Uh, the tide a little bit to where he's, I'm not going to say scared straight because he wasn't a bad kid, but it's like, dude, get it together, get it together, do what you're supposed to do, do what you're capable of doing, because he's still a really good player. And he seemed to always be a really good kid. He's just been sheltered uh, from the people that's around it, or they've been sheltering us from the people that's around him. Does that make sense? I don't know how I worded that correctly, but I'm rooting for the kid now. Like, especially if it's, it's what Steve Haney said it was. And Steve Haney's his lawyer,
2: as you refer to.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: When I saw this news, I was sad. Yeah. It made me sad. Me too. It, re- it really did. We cover the sport. We cover players and coaches. But we're humans too. And at the end of the day, I want these kids to do what they strive to do and live out a dream. And anybody who doesn't want that is wrong. And for me, I just think when you look at the potential that this kid had at one point, and I know it's just a word, I know potential is just a word, but when you look at the setup, right, at 14, 15 years old, you sit there and say, could be great, right? Could be great. The contrast from that to where he currently is, not only as a basketball player, but more importantly, a human being, could not be sharper. Could It could not be greater of a difference. Just when you thought what has been the toughest of scenarios for Imani now to fight through it and get his career on track, the reason why T.O. saying, I, I just wanted to get a break is, because right now, he's living a nightmare even worse than he could have dreamed of living. And that's where my heart breaks. Because, guys, at the end of the day, when we talk about people being adults and you're a man now and you're 18, he's 18 years old, the fact of the matter is this, is that throughout his last five years of development, Throughout any person's development in this age group, 15, 16, 17, now he's 18 years old, you are still getting influenced. You are getting told what to do to a degree. You're getting advice from people inside your home and around your home. And, and the fact of the matter is, and I, I, I don't want to be too critical here because that stays between Imani and his family, but it is very clear. It is very clear. Uh, that, that, and I'm not going to point fingers at one person, it's just clear that throughout these last couple of years that there are some directions in which this kid has either turned himself or been turned to that frankly just aren't the best directions from my opinion, from my opinion. I wish him the damn best. I wish Imani Bates the very best, but I can't help but look at this story and say, I hope, I hope that what he's saying is true that that, that those weren't his, his guns, and I hope he gets back on the court. But between legal proceedings and now the, the mental health effect that this could have on him, waiting and seeing, this is Imani Bates' worst nightmare, and I really feel bad for the kid. Yeah.
0: This is, to me, this is exactly why it was a horrible idea to go back to Ypsilanti, why it was a horrible idea to go back home. When you're Imani Bates and you're trying to rebuild your image and rebuild your brand and rebuild who you are as a basketball player to put you back in the, uh, into a situation where you are hanging around people. that are going to have guns with altered ID numbers on them. Right? Like that's, it, it just, it was, it was a bad idea to go the way that he went. And uh, I don't, at some point you have to lay the blame at the feet of Imani. Like he is, he's, he's his own man, right? When you're 18, 19 years old, you got to take some responsibility for your decisions, some responsibility for the things that you do. But I think over the course of his entire life, some of it, his own fault, some of it through the fault of people around him, some of it through the fault of people like us that laid a certain level of hype and expectation on him. uh, That was probably unfair for a kid, his age. Um, A lot of people have, failed him but i i just it's sad man
2: yes it is it's, it,
0: it it's sad and it's frustrating and um i do think that uh i do think that he's i hope he figures it out because that that that's 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 a waste of
1: he's still a puppy
0: yeah it's a waste that's of talent and a waste of ability like and and the, the thing we 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 forget about this right is he is it feels like he's been around forever right it feels like he's been in the public eye forever because he was on the co- cover of Sports Illustrated when he was 14 years old. But like he, he's not even 19. The reason why he's back in college right now is because he was born on January 28th, uh, 2004, which means that he was too young by four weeks to go to the 2022 NBA draft. He's not even 19 years old. Yeah. So there's still a lot of room for him to grow and develop and mature and when you think about all of the dumb things that you did when you were 18 years old like everybody listening to this me included uh i am glad that i did not have the public spectacle on me uh when when i was uh kind of figuring things out at that age so um i do want to talk to you guys about one thing though because dino Tragonis, who's a guy that i like who's done good things for me he runs a lot of uh a lot of camps, he put out a tweet where he said this Imani Bates news is beyond sad. It's heartbreaking. What's also problematic here is all the adults and corporate entities like ESPN's Paul Biancardi and Adam Finkelstein, who helped create an ecosystem of entitlement around the kid and gave him a false sense of NBA future glory. I have. I I, I pretty strongly disagree with with Dino's take there for a couple of reasons, and I want to get you guys take on this, but first and foremost, like I think in this specific instance, you are right that that the hype around Amani got a little bit out of control um his father was able to find a way to snag two shoe deals with Nike one for his a prep school that he created and one for the AAU program that he built Bates Fundamentals um I think that 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 certainly did not help things I I I think that telling a 14 year old that he's going to be the next Kevin Durant is a the wrong way to do it and the wrong way to handle things but I do think overall like the culture around au basketball for the most part like if you look at the kids that are coming out these days for the most part all these like five stars and the kids that are top 10 recruits are generally really good kids and i do think that part of that is because if you look at like the uh the most recent generation of nba stars you have a lot of guys that are that are they've made it cool to be smart to be business savvy to be cognizant of your brand to be generally good people right is that fair to say yeah so i i I just i i think that it's wrong to kind of paint there's a lot of things that we need to change in grassroots culture and the way that we handle young um up and coming 15 to 16 years old we we talked about that after the the uh the the boozer and um what's the other kid's name to the the game for like yeah so we that we, we talked about that a couple podcasts ago, and I don't I don't think we necessarily need to rehash that. I just think overall, in general, um, the system works pretty well. I, I I think it's wrong to criticize an institution for one example that did not work out the way that we wanted it to. Is that fair? Totally
1: Holy
2: fair. John. You're you're absolutely right. I mean, he you, you you can't just take an outlier and and make it what the. Yeah. so i i just i disagree with that tweet i think it's an overreaction in the moment and that's all that needs to be said about it and 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 for the most part guys that's what social media is it's a it's one big overreaction it's why we love it but it can be divisive i mean and and, and i think that tweet is is in the wrong because you're generalizing something that that is this is unlike any sort of case that we've really seen. I mean, again, you you said it. It seems like he's he's been around forever. The guy, I know that you went like this, but like the guy, the guy was proclaimed to be the next Kevin Durant at 14 years of age. No, I yeah, like,
0: I, I I hear you and I agree with you. I I think the the most apt comparison. And I wasn't shaking my head, disagreeing. I was thinking like I think the most apt comparison is Renardo Sidney, who at 14 was. Everyone was like, Oh, this, this guy's the next magic. The guy this guy's the next Chris Weber. Good um, the name Paul. He had he had a lot of very, very similar situations. He ended up moving and going to LA to go play on like a superstar AAU team. Um,
1: and Finkelstein called him Felipe Lopez, and I was like, That's a good one.
0: That that's a yeah. good one too. Yep. Um, I, I he was a little bit before my time. Um, but I do think that like it, it's it's this generation. The hype was, of the hype was insane, though. It, it, it's the it he's this generation's Renardo Sydney in my so mind.
2: I have a question for Terrence because he's a former player, mm. and at a you know at an ACC level, I I just and and I'm thinking of of how we move forward in in this discussion. And my question to you, Tio, is if Amani Bates came inside your office right now and sat across from you. What would your message be to Imani Bates in the here and now?
1: Like what would be the next move? Or What do you there's tell not him? A, There's not a whole lot he can do. That's the big thing. Like there's not a whole lot he can do. Like he, he needs to get out from under this rock. He needs to go have a great season. And then he needs to figure out his next move. Like he needs to stay in his dorm room not go out, which is pretty much what everybody thought he was doing anyway. He was basically been in a cocoon since he was 14. And a lot of the mistakes that he's – here's the thing, too. All right, so this kind of – this is kind of self-reflective right now. But one of the best things I ever did in my life was going to Europe instead of staying at Clemson. And one of the reasons why – for my life, not my basketball career, there's two – that's a majorly different thing. It was one of the best things in my life – It was one of the worst things for my basketball career. The reason it was one of the best things for my life was because now all my mistakes were my own. And now Imani's figuring out like my mistakes are my own right now. Nobody can hide me. Nobody can figure it out before it gets to the press. My mistakes are my own. So now there's immediate repercussions for his actions. His dad's not going to be able to fix this uh whoever else is not going to be able to fix this but he needs to get a he needs to get away to where his actions are his own nobody else is bothering him and we talked a little bit about this uh before it was announced that he was going to eastern michigan like what's he going to do i hope he gets away and what does he do he goes right back home so (laughs) but now he's created a situation through we obviously due process let's just let's obviously do processes involved, but he's created a situation where it's like, nobody can save him right now. Steve well, Haney going to try, yeah, but it's I, like your react, your, your, your situation you've created that yourself.
0: Yeah, I, I get that. You're right. And, and innocent until proven guilty. And there certainly is the plausible excuse that this was somebody else's car. This wasn't his gun. It would be very easy to determine if that
1: is his car, right? All you have to do is just check the registration. Um, But what would have been great, what would have been great for him, this is kind of off the beaten path, but I I heard whispers of him potentially going and playing for uh, a team over in Serbia that has these first round picks every year. Yep. And my first is called mega. I heard whispers of that and that would have been terrific for him as a person. And as a when I say that is it would have been a little it would have been pretty well insulated. He would have had to go to practice every day, and he would have been a different around a different person. To where like Serbians, like they go to practice; that's what they're doing. They're going there two hours in the morning. They're going there two hours in the evening. There's not a whole lot of room for nonsense after that. And not only that, if something would have happened, it would have been on him. And now he's got this cocoon around him. That's yeah. kind of the that, well. That's, that's kind it. of I would, what, I would, I would I. My thought, and I said this, he would never life. have made it. I think he would have come home in a month. Yeah, I I, like if he could have gotten through it. I think it would have been perfect for him.
0: I I said from the jump that he should have gone to the G League night program. Get away from everything at home. Get away from Mm. all of those distractions. Get away from everything and make the main thing be the main thing again. Make basketball be the reason that you're doing things, not not whatever else. He's not once you get to the point that you are at. You know, like a LeBron level or a CP3 level or a Devin Booker level where you're a star in the NBA and you are established and you're one of the best in the best league in the world. Then you can start worrying about like, I need to add this. I need to add that. I need this shoe deal. I need this, this cologne deal. I need this brand. I need this. I need that. You need to make it be the like None of that happens if basketball is not what makes you a superstar.
1: Is cologne right. what came to your mind when it came to sponsorships? I'm just curious. Cologne. I don't I was just going, man. Okay.
0: Do you know what else? I was just going. For,
2: for, for it Sorry. to be the main thing, for him to let it be, let the main thing be the main thing, the people in his circle have to let the main thing be they the main thing. They need to let him go. You you've got to, to let him is. go. You've got to it's the hardest? It's the hardest thing. Parents say it all the time, how hard it is to let go, how hard it is to do that. And I think part of it, like, when you get to the level that he was getting hyped up to be, I think that that certainly meant that his circle, all of a sudden, is going to have people wanting to get inside it, inside it, inside it, to a point that maybe some of the smarter people that his, the people that are inside his household aren't even letting in, you have to remember, there's still some people that, that really do know what they're talking about because they've done this, they've been on this road. And I think in a way, that cocoon has defeated its own purpose yeah. in this whole journey. It's sad, it's tough to see. But I also think to go blaming Paul Biancardi and to go blaming Finkelstein for doing their jobs, they're evaluators guys. They're evaluators, they've gotten evaluations right. They've gotten evaluations wrong. They would tell us that to simply blame that uh, and, and say that it's because of of corporate opinions and big brands uh, who, who proclaim these kids to be this, that and the third. Come on, you, you could say that he got hyped up to an unreal level, but to start blaming people uh, for for his downfall and demise, I, I fully believe that's short sighted because at the end of the day, it is on the not just the kid but his family and the people closest to him to manage him. Paul B and Cardi and Adam Finkelstein are not the reason why Imani Bates was arrested over the weekend. They're just not.
0: Yeah. There's the, I I said this earlier, but there's, there are lots of things that need to get changed in, in the world of, of grassroots basketball and AAU basketball and the way that social media and our culture, um, hypes up some of these 15 16 17 years old that that is 100 true and for the record the last time that we talked about this it was because of a column that Fink wrote I know Fink well enough I've had conversations with him about this like I, I don't he wants that to change I, I I can't speak on being car I don't know I've, I think I've had one conversation with Paul in my life but I know Fink well enough to know that that he wants that to change so throwing him under the bus is probably yeah. not uh something that's fair in this situation and I'll just I'll end it with this there have been plenty of incredibly overhyped players over the course, of like the last 10 years, that have come out and gone on to be fine. Yeah, maybe the, the, every single one of them is not reaching the levels of Kevin Durant, right? But there's lots of, lots of, uh, Top 10, top 15 recruits that have had those shoe company deals that have had this, that and the third that have made it to the NBA, that have made life changing money, that have been able to alter the direction that their family path goes because of their ability, despite the fact that they're uh, considered. Um,
1: Wasn't Josh fashion, Jackson yeah. the number one player in his class?
0: Yeah, he was. That's another situation where. Uh, I do well, but
1: I mean, but with that being all said, he's made a lot of money and he's
0: turned yeah, out he's, he's he's made a lot of money. And
1: and that is like our standard, our standard for for success needs to come down a little bit. If
0: you make the league, if you're identified <laughs> yeah. as a 16 year old oh. and you make the NBA, you, you've made it. You, yeah. you 100% made it just because you didn't find the right fit or injuries took this away, or you weren't able to be more than just like a sixth man on an NBA rotation. Do you don't realize how fucking hard it is to be the sixth man on an NBA team. Yeah. Do people realize that if you are, you're one of the 200 best in the world at your job, which means like, let's just put it like this. There are 10 classes of, of players generally in the NBA, right? About 10 years. And if you're one of the, Uh, If you're a starter in the NBA, just a regular old run-of-the-mill starter, the worst starter on your team, you're one of the top 150 players in the world, right? And if you are a top 10 player in your class and you end up as one of the top 150 players in the world, you lived up to your hype. Like, I don't know. It's it's hard to explain this to people. Not everybody is going to end up being fucking Kevin Durant. Yeah. Making the league. Having an eight-year career in the NBA, if you're projected as a a five-star recruit, then you probably outperformed what the expectation was for you in your basketball career. People need to understand that. It is very, 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 the hardest job to get in the entire world is an NBA basketball player. There's 510 of those jobs if you include the two-way contracts. Drives me crazy. Bold statement. Yeah. Speaking of the NBA and the NBA draft, it sounds like, nice transition Uh, there's going to be some level of change coming here um shams put out a report that made it seem like the one and done rule was going to end up going away the age limit is going to come down to 18 and it could happen as soon as the 2024 nba draft woge uh later on on monday night put out a report that said pump the brakes it's probably not going to happen for a while because there are trades that have been agreed to with future draft picks based off of what the current the current setup is and that the NBA doesn't want to do away with the one-and-done rule. Um, I, why wouldn't they? There's, there's, for, so for the new CBA, this is why I won't believe that the one-and-done rule is going away until I see the one-and-done rule go away. There is no motivation for either side in these negotiations yeah. to have this go away. Take the owners the billionaire owners, the people that are really, really smart about their money and ruthless about their money. Do you think that they want to pay an extra year up front of development in the 18th like for kids that are 18 years old coming out of high school? Do they want to pay for an extra year of development while also losing on the back end a year of that kid's prime when you can take advantage of what you were paying for of that development? Remember, in the NBA, you basically have nine years of control over a player before he can go to market and he's a, a, just a pure free agent. That's insane. You want you want you want him you want to get kids older so that you can have them later in their career as opposed to getting them earlier when you're you got to when you lose control when they're 27 or 28 you want them to their 29 or to their 30 that's what nba owners want they don't the want to pay for an extra year now, of development though. but here here's the other thing you don't want to pay for that development the nba owners if if the kids come in a year earlier that is an extra year of development that all of these guys have to pay Then you have the players who are on the other side of the negotiation. It is a zero-sum game when it comes to A, jobs, and B, money available for professional basketball players at the NBA. As soon as you allow 18-year-olds coming in, one, this concept of like the double draft, where you have the best players from two different draft classes entering in the same year. That means there's going to be fewer jobs available for all of those veterans that are on the fringe, Right. All those guys that are currently part of the NBA players union are there's a lot of them that are gonna be out of a job when you have that double draft. And two, the money is gonna to go to these younger kids instead of the older guys, right? So there's no there's no incentive for either side of these the 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 CBA to put to get rid of the one and done rule. All the incentive for both of those sides is to have it go to a two and done rule. That's what that like that's when you look strictly at incentives and motivations for the two sides that are negotiating the CBA. That is what the, the keeping those kids in college longer is better for both of those sides. Now, my guess is that Adam Silver wants to he wants to do two things. He wants to bring players in as quickly as possible because he thinks it's the right thing to do, right? And it probably is to allow these kids to be able to get to the league as quick as possible. He also wants to bring all of that development in-house. And, and he's been vocal about this. Like he wants to have the best players training with professional athletes, which makes a lot of sense. When you go to college and you're working out, it's very like there's time limits. You, you got to have what is it like a two hour limit per day, 20 hour limit per week or something like that. CO. Yeah. Um, and you don't you're not doing it year round. There's different training sessions and you have guys that are there developing you to win basketball games now, as opposed to developing you for you to be what you could be the best long term, if that makes sense. So um, I think Adam silver wants this, but it, it it doesn't benefit either side of the CBA. Like, so I, I will believe that the one unless, we're, unless they away, were able to
1: add something to the, to the G league structure. That's right. Which would make sense because the G league is good now. Like they've done a nice job with that league. Sorry to interrupt you, Rob. Keep going. I just, it was,
0: so but, but like the, I hear what you're saying, but we're talking about 18-year-olds that are going to be first-round picks. They're going to be eligible for the draft. So you're drafting an 18-year-old. His first contract goes until he's 22. His second contract goes until he's 27, right? Now, all of a sudden, you got to pay that third contract, the, the max deals or whatever, until they're 32, which means they're more likely to have to get another max deal until they're 37. You're adding... It, just, it costs more for NBA owners to bring these kids in when they're younger, which is why... You're not a billionaire by being done with your money. So I, I that's why I'll, I'll believe that the one-and-done rule is going away when I see the one-and-done rule going away. That's just where I'm at with it.
1: I'm not sure. I That logic of the contracts by one year, I'm not sure I completely buy it. Because why? they're going to be paying somebody anyway. And there's a salary cap there for a reason. There's a salary minimum, too. Like, you've got to be able to pay guys. So I, the only thing – I just think – when it went into effect, what was it, 2000? Uh, when, when did it go into effect? What year was that, Rob? 2005. 2005, like the G League was in its infancy. Like, that, I think that's kind of your turning point. Every team has a feeder system going on. I think that could be the turning point for this. Uh, I, I think the kids should be able to go. I I know that there's been a lot of, Talk about, you know, when I say talk, I mean, like, just uh, with me and my buddies, basically. Like, I love the baseball role. Either let them go out of high school or they got to stay for three years. Huge fan of that. Because three uh, years, but, but three years they're graduating.
0: It yeah, wasn't but, that
1: the point the whole time. I mean, the NBA doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, but, like, but here's, here's, what the what problem, here's the problem. Here's the problem with I that. Love, like, I love it just from a hypothetical perspective.
0: And here's the thing about that is, like, Trey Young would not have been a one and done or Trey young would not have been a straight out of high school guy. Mm-hmm. And he comes in and he has right. 30 points and 10 assists. And then you're going to tell him he's got to be in the college for two more years.
1: <laughs> yeah. It would make for great. It would make for great theater. What
0: would Well, That's if worse worse young,
2: freedom. That's let me, worse right, freedom.
0: Let me ask I mean, you guys this. If Trey young, if, if if this rule was in place, Trey young, who averaged 30 points and 10 assists as a freshman, if he was forced to stay till his junior year, what does he average as a junior in college? I don't basketball?
2: know. It would be Ralph Sampson numbers. 41.
0: Forty-two points. Forty-two points.
2: Here is my deal with this. Okay, just and Oklahoma
0: still would not be able to get out of the first four.
2: (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah, they had first round lost, and wasn't it to Rhode Island?
0: Oh yes, yes. Danny Hurley is one NCAA tournament. Oh
2: boy, yeah, there we go. Okay, so oh (laughs) yes, yes, for a different discussion during the season. So when I read this report, and and I just am reading it again. First off. Adrian Wojnarowski is such a perfect source, reporter, whatever you want to say, for the National Basketball Association because you can totally see in these tweets that someone from the league called Woj and said, Hey, Woj, Shams is wrong, or at least we don't, maybe not wrong, but we don't love this. Here's what's really going on. Here's what, here's what you need to put out. Now, I, we can get in the woe Shams war. That's not what I'm here to say. What I'm here to say is I don't want
0: to
2: get involved in that. I don't want to get involved in that. I don't want to get involved in that at all. Um, fun fact, I once saw Shams in Scottsdale while on vacation. He's probably one of the few people that has ever seen me shirtless for several days in a row <laughs> because I was at the pool, and he was at the pool, and so he got a look at this body.
1: <laughs> shit. so yeah, That's great. Yes, yeah. that did
2: happen. Yeah, I, I was like, I looked across the pool and like, is that Shams? And he's just Yeah, the whole time. Okay. So Woj, it, for the people listening, he was like on his phone nonstop. So Woj says several obstacles and complexities remain, including the league's insistence. The players provide medical info, physicals to all 30 teams. And then he proceeds. So if you were reading that, you would say to yourself, okay, so if if there's no one in done, that means that the player has to give everything to everybody in the league. Right? Whereas currently in the current structure, who controls which medical info gets to which teams? The, the agents. P- ah, the, agent. the agents. And I think thought to myself reading this but wait a minute wait a minute and lamar jackson would agree with me the agents who needs the agents oh that's right that's right because behind closed doors the nba teams and organizations folks don't let them fool you they're good friends they're good friends with all of those agents this was simply language to put out there That states, "Mm, before we dramatically shift the landscape, uh, our whole goodwill with the agents and our good practices and our let us help you help yourself. Let's you scratch our back. We'll scratch yours. That whole partnership that has some direct language in it, but not all direct language in it, that it's this change would crush that hurt that it would alter that and guys when we're talking about millions and billions and gazillions of dollars if the system ain't broke don't go fixing it to a point that you could end up hurting your relationship with those player or agents and the fact of the matter is this nobody okay nobody wants to go rot in sacramento or potentially oklahoma city like Nobody wants to go rot for an NBA organization. And if you provide your medical info to every single team, all that info is out there to every team, you're going to have far less control of your potential landing spot when you don't have that system in place where player agents are giving that info out to certain teams. That's what my takeaway from this was. Agree or disagree? Disagree.
1: I'm a big yeah. fan of what you just said. Just make sure everybody sees it. And here's another thing: it could help those Sacramento's and things like that. Like you, is that kind of what you were referring to? Like, well,
2: I'm saying that I, I'm saying that. So to me, I don't see that big of a deal with everybody seeing the information. Mm-hmm. But Woj's reports suggest that the agent system and the one and done system is still benefiting the league. So I think I think there's two things that you can look at here. I think you can both say that the draft age getting bl- lowered. Like it is what it is. Give the players the freedom to choose to go straight to the draft or straight to Ignite or whatever it is. I think TO that this is the whole purpose of Ignite and the G League. The G League has been planning for this. The G League's gotten better as a as a league and has gotten better at actually developing talent, like they've gotten closer to what the minors are in baseball, whereas the g league used to be a lost hole, a lost hole. It's not anymore it actually is a developmental system. Adam Silver wants this, he should want it. I get that you could both you could both say that lowering the age is appropriate while also saying that one and done should remain in place the way it's been
0: the The only problem with that is if you lower the age limit and, and keep one and done in place, all you're going to be getting is more situations of like Gigi Jackson finding a way to graduate as a 17 year old after his junior year in high school and going to college. And yeah, all it's going to do is make it one year younger for people that are going to do their one and done year. And like, I don't blame him. You know, what Gigi Jackson is getting from South Carolina to be able to play this year. A lot of money, a lot of money. He's getting Oscar Sheway money. Two commas with a crooked number in front. Right. So
2: I don't know how that's going to end up.
0: Yeah, but it, all it's going to do is
2: make make it's gonna the be a hard limit. year. Like, look, look, I yeah,
0: I, I think if you're going to get rid of the age limit, right, there should be no uh-huh. one I'm done. Just let them go straight pro. That's the yeah. best thing to do for a lot of these kids. There's a lot of guys that don't belong in college. Um, I think overall it will. Not having guys like Zion Williamson, not having guys like RJ Barrett, not having guys like Cade Cunningham, like that, that hurts college basketball to a point.
1: But can't miss what you never had.
0: Yeah. But it's also college basketball was fine when JR Smith wasn't going and Kobe Bryant wasn't going and Kevin Garnett wasn't going, right? Like it, it'll, <sighs> it'll, it'll, it'll help. It'll help make the guys that are in college more recognizable. We're going to have more stars. We're going to have more Hunter Dickinson's. We're going to have more Armando Bakehouse. We're going to have more Oscar Sheewey's and guys that aren't just big guys that are stars Mm -hmm. in college basketball. There's going to be more recognizable faces. There's one fatal flaw with the sport. It's that it's so hard to know who the best players are year over year because everybody goes pro right? All of the guys that you care about, all the guys that you know, all the guys that you fell in love with in March are gone uh, just a couple of weeks later. So I, they, I I, do think that there's part of it where the diehard college basketball fan is going to be more engaged. I, I have friends that grew up huge, huge college basketball fans that barely watch the sport anymore because they don't, they don't know who it is year over year. Kentucky fans are sick of trying to figure out who the hell's on their roster every single season. Duke fans are sick of it too. So mm. I, I do think that this will help re-engage a generation that fall in love with the player and can see that player coming back over and over and over again. Um, it, it'll hurt like the, it, it it will hurt the years where you have these superstars that can get all of these eyeballs and all of this attention when it's not in the month of March. But I do think overall it'll be healthy and more sustainable for the sport to not have to rely on lucking into a Zion Williamson to make yourself more uh get yourself more attention. Does that make sense?
2: Uh, it does, but here's so I have two things here. One is what is stopping and I think the answer is nothing. The, the top percent of the of the top percent of players are smart to go straight to the NBA, okay? Like that I get it. If you're the next LeBron, if you're the next Zion, if you're the next KD, whatever, then in that case I say go for it. But my my thought process is is that if you're not in the top percent of the top percent, like I would hope that you would look at the college route and say I can get in with the university. There's still something to be said about developing under a cow, under Now a Shire, under whoever that coach may be. Fran McCaffrey. Fran McCaffrey. Right. Right. You could stop the the. Because anytime you bring up Iowa now, I can't take you seriously. That being said, um, you could play for a coach, right? You could get in with a university. So, hey, you might not realize that 18-year-old kid, but your parents do and we do. uh, You could always go back when you're 45 and do whatever you wanted at university. They'll fulfill whatever you need to fulfill. You can also make bank. Like, you could make bank in your one year in college. You could probably – you might be able to make – not not the same amount of money, but a lot of money. Get in with a school, develop that year, and then you get drafted That after that year. like To me, I look at that situation and say, I still think there's value to going the one-and-done route over just going straight to the draft. I think you're going to see the top percent of the top percent. But the other thing is this, guys. Does it make sense, and if so, how much sense does it make, for Duke and Kentucky to look harder at the top – 30 to 40 recruit as opposed to the top five recruit if that top five or 10 recruit who they think they're getting says no 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 i'm going straight to the nba
1: it's i mean that was that was the hang up back when duke won the championship with shire and nolan smith and zubek and that was all top 40 kids
0: yeah and if you look at what baylor's doing you look at what villanova was doing like the that's that's kind of like the the sweet mm-hmm. spot is you get that like top 50 to 75 kid that saves for three to four years and you win national championships. Right. Um, the one thing that the last thing that I'll say about this, and I'm curious, both of your opinions is I think that. The idea that you would eliminate the branding and the attention and the hype and what you can build in terms of your personal brand from a run in March madness, from playing on national television every night, it, there's, there's a reason why people are excited to see like someone like a Jaden Aikens coming in, you know, some of these top draft picks coming in, like a Apollo Banquero, right? Would he have as much hype? Would there be as much excitement about him? Would he have as much notoriety? Would people give a shit about him coming into the league? If he didn't just play for Duke and take Duke to a final four, you know, would there be as much excitement about Jabari Smith? If he didn't just average 16 points and shoot 40 something percent from three for Auburn this past season, you know what I mean? Like, would there, would this, would this be something where you're you're hurting the excitement and the the notoriety and and the the attention that you get for all of these newcomers coming into your like the NBA draft is not going to be the same pomp and circumstance when you don't have these guys with some of these big brands that have just played all this time in college. Like I, I just I think I think the system is working well right now, especially now that NIL is available, and all of these kids are going to be able to make a shitload of money when you, when you get to college, right? Like I, I just, I understand the desire to allow them to have the opportunity to go pro right out of high school. I just think there's going to be a lot more bad decisions made and, and having those guardrails mm. in place. But I also understand that kind of also makes me sound like an old man um, that is kind of like, yeah, we got to keep college basketball. Alive. No, I just, I think that it makes a lot of sense the way that the system is set up.
2: And it's not going to get hurt. It's not going to hurt college basketball competitively, which we've gone over. Like the look at the national champions. We've talked about this on this podcast ad nauseum. It's not going to hurt the sport competitively veteran teams are winning the national championship for the most part. So I, I gotta tell you guys, like, I can't wait for actual basketball. I can't wait (laughs) for the season to start. We've talked about uh, an arrest and now we've talked about this, this rule. So it's guys, we are, as we do this podcast, 48 days away. God. Okay. Yep. I'm excited. Yep. I'm really All right. excited.
0: All right, let's roll through some questions. We did get some questions coming in uh the first one this is uh I didn't write down who this is one was from. But the question was once realignment changes, the ones that have already been made officially go through, meaning Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC, Houston, UCF, BYU and Cincinnati going to the Big 12 and UCLA and USC going to the Big 10 which conference is going to be the best basketball conference in college basketball T,
1: I'm going to you first. The toughest to win games in is going to be the big 12. The most talented would arguably be the sec. Cause I thought about this. If you look at Texas, Oklahoma, they have top end talent. Now Porter Moser's got taken a minute, but he's going to get there. Texas always gets these five-star recruits and these highly rated transfers. They're going to be good. I'm not sure they're going to win the sec ever, but there, it's going to be a really good league. But that Big 12, man, if you look at that roster up and down, Kansas, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, now you add Cincinnati and Wes is starting to get things done. You add a BYU team that's underrated, that gets a bunch of dudes out on the West Coast. You look at all these different teams. Central Florida is a sleeping giant. It's the biggest enrollment in the state of Florida. People don't realize that. That is a sleeping giant. It is a commuter school, sure. It's starting to change a little bit. They're starting to put, they're starting to put more dorms on campus. That's a sleeping giant. And uh, lest I forget, Houston with the Fertitta money and the Samsons running the ship, that's a big-time program, too. The Big 12 is going to be a bear when realignment hits.
0: Think about it like this, Houston, Baylor, in Kansas, the way things are currently going, could all like all enter every single season based. Like, yeah, there's a real shot that they could each get a one seed, right? And then go and look at it to put the Big Twelve in perspective. Let's tie a bow on this Phantom. Do you know who finished in last place in the Big Twelve last year? Last place. Lay it on me, West Virginia and Bob yeah. Huggins. You know who was who 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 made it into the Hall of Fame last year? The year yeah. that he finished <laughs> last place, Sir Huggins, in the Big Twelve Huggy Bear. <laughs> Iowa State finished tied for seventh in the Big 12. They were the eighth seed in the Big 12 tournament. I'm sorry. They were the seventh seed in the Big 12 tournament. They finished behind Oklahoma State. They should have been the eighth seed uh, if Oklahoma State was eligible. Iowa State made it to the Sweet 16. That league is a fucking buzzsaw. It's insane.
2: Yeah. The The Big 12 is already college basketball's best conference and has been the last couple of years. And oh, if you want to make the counter argument that everybody always makes, well what did they do in March? I'm sorry. They have accounted for the last two national champions and in 2019 Texas Tech made the final. So for the last Can I
0: add to that in 2020 Baylor and Kansas both would have been one seats, and Kansas was the overwhelming favorite to win the national title. And do you know who lost in the 2018 national title game? Who lost?
2: Yep. Well, well in the 2018 lost? national championship game, Kansas lost.
0: So Wait, no, they lost. In-
2: Kansas lost in the final four to Villanova, and then Michigan lost. Then but Michigan, Kansas yeah, got to the go. final four.
0: There you go. Kansas, Kansas, Kansas
2: lost to maybe one of the great college basketball teams ever in Villanova. The, the point is, I don't, the Big 12 has had. The point is,
0: shut the fuck up, Rob. Get your facts straight.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all right. No, you're fine. The, the Big 12 has had a team in the final four in every year since 2016 because Oklahoma made it in 2016 with Buddy Heald. The Big 12 has dominated college basketball. And they've done it in March. They've done it when it matters most. That league is the toughest. That league is loaded with talent. And you're going to add big-time programs. Houston, it seems like it's just a matter of time until they're in a national final. They might be in the national championship game this upcoming year. In fact, if you ask me today, who are the two teams that I could see meeting for a title, I'll stay committed. I'll say, I think Houston could end up meeting Kentucky or Gonzaga for all the marbles in college basketball. All the marbles. So to me, guys, think about this. The Big 12 already owns Monday nights in college hoops, and, and on Saturdays they're, they're featured in the biggest of games. Like when Kansas is facing Texas Tech, how big of a game that is. How about the fact now that you're going to have other matchups in this, in this conference What's going to happen, guys, when Kansas heads to Provo for the first time and faces BYU? You want to talk about an unbelievable atmosphere. And Cincinnati, you called UCF a sleeping giant. I think Cincinnati is a sleeping giant. That program has had a couple of down years for a variety of reasons. Guys, that fan base, the support that they have, what they just did in college football only helps them monetarily. Cincinnati is going to be back in basketball. West Miller's got them on the right track. They're just getting started. You are adding. You already were the best conference in college basketball, and you are adding really valuable programs. You might say that in football there's some hurt because they lose Texas and Oklahoma, but to me, in all this realignment, and I'm not a – like UCLA, USC, I don't love it for them in basketball. I just, I just don't love – Love it in that that particular sport. I think it benefits Big Ten football more than it does basketball. It's just my opinion. In the Big 12, though, I don't think anybody benefited more by this alignment than the Big 12 because, like you said, Tio, you said that you couldn't see Texas ever winning the SEC. Well, my counterpoint is I could see one of these schools, if they take off to the moon, threatening in the Big 12. And when you add assets to your league, You want those assets to be national championship contenders. And the fact is that these programs that they're adding at their best can be on that pedestal.
0: Yep, I agree. And to your point about BYU, uh, they play in what is essentially an NBA arena and put 20,000 people in the stands for home games in the WCC. What do you think they're going to do when they have Kansas or Baylor or Houston or Texas Tech or any of these other programs coming? All right. Quick, Next question, question. quick question
1: quick question quick question who's going to have more fans of 10 games in the big 10 northwestern or ucla <laughs>
0: no.
2: ucla it no be,
1: g- dude no shot. it might be it might be northwestern nobody goes to ucla games
2: that's I, bad have man. you
1: seen some of these pictures coming out about their football games at the rose bowl yeah. nobody like goes 3, to- oh were you saying
2: and- football games or i thought you meant basketball
1: I- i'm saying everything
2: yeah. Oh, I still think. I think Paulie, when Ohio State comes in and when Michigan State comes in, come on. Paulie Pavilion's not going to have a crowd.
1: Now, if the Lakers are playing the Celtics, they're not going to. Mm-hmm. Or if the Rams are playing anybody, they're not going to. It's or bad. Or if the Dodgers are good, they're not going. Like, yeah. the Dodgers not basketball season, but you get You're what I'm right. saying. Right. The like, USC crowd Saturday,
2: teams. that was bad, man. Against yeah. South Alabama, that's bad.
1: Yep. Um, all right.
0: Uh, This question comes in from the homie David Bentley. If you could see one, one and done player stay in college for three years during their career, who would it be?
2: And why fans I'm going to you first on this one, Michael Beasley, Michael Beasley. So good. So good. And I I think he would have delivered Kansas state a championship. And so for that reason, I'm going to go with Beasley because it's unique. It's a different player than all your Duke. One and Duns I pulled some notes together on Beasley because, yes, yes, he was so good. But folks, in one year of college basketball, a power forward was averaging twenty six points per game, almost thirteen rebounds a game. He had three stocks per game, meaning a combined three steals and blocks. All right, this man was a that a thing. It, is, in my know, it book. is now. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Stocks, man. It It is a thing. And he was a beast. And in one year, he was a consensus. It wasn't even like there was no doubt that he was a consensus first team All-American. How in the hell did he lose in the first weekend of the NCAA tournament? If that doesn't sum up the tournament, I don't know what does. The man was averaging 26 and 12 per game in year three. He would have been averaging 35 and 18 or 20. Like if I could have watched a player throughout his career, when you combine Beasley, the octagon, right? At Kansas state, Manhattan, little apple. Like, I just think it would have been really fun because it would have, I always love a spotlight on a player and program that doesn't normally get on them. And
1: he would like, have played with a veteran Jacob Pullen too, underage. Mm-hmm. Yes,
2: I thought about that too. They brought in more talent. I'm going Michael Beasley.
0: The Octagon of Doom would have been rocking, and uh, oh, I, oh. and I do think that Michael Beasley would have. Uh, he seemed like the kind of the kind of guy
1: that really, really enjoyed college life. Tio, oh, yeah. You I thought about this a little bit differently and probably went the wrong way with it. But uh, I thought about a couple of guys that I wish could they should have stayed more. Oh, like Max Christie would have been good this year. I went right to him. I think he would have been better. Cam Reddish, when he was on that three headed monster at Duke, he was the one guy that needed. Like if he would have stayed another year, he would have been the dude the following year uh gosh there's just a, there's a lot of them there's a lot of them that like if you would have stayed a little bit longer and been patient you would have been really good uh, one that we, we were talking about one and done earlier when that rule went to effect that's when greg odin uh was coming up and had he been able to go straight to the league i can't remember who got the first pick the year prior but um that would have been he wouldn't have ended up in portland things might have happened differently for him He wouldn't have broken his wrist going into the net final four that year. Like it could have changed uh, the dynamic of his career. So that was another one I thought about.
0: Was that the uh, it was you lose out on Greg Oden and you get Andrea Bargnani?
1: Yeah. Think about that. So like you get Greg Oden instead. And where where did Bargnani get drafted? That was New York. I don't remember. I don't he think he went to New York. No, yeah, he went to yeah. Toronto. He went Toronto. to Toronto. Toronto. He went to New York later. He went to Toronto. So now you get a Greg Oden in Toronto? I mean, maybe. Maybe.
0: Yeah. My, my answer for this is, is obvious and probably lame and cheesy and. Yukon and, and, uh, guy. Well, no. I mean, it's, it's oh. Zion. Like, oh. can, you, can you just imagine what three years of Zion would have looked like at Duke? Can you imagine? looked like Barkley in Auburn. Yeah, can you imagine the amount of, t- of attention he would have gotten? Can you imagine how how much he could have dominated the sport as a as a junior um at Duke? So I, I just I would have loved to see Di- Zion play for 3 years. He was he was yeah. he was electric. He was special. Um all right. Uh two more questions here. First and foremost, can An All-American team have five centers on the first team. I asked this because our buddy John Rothstein put out his first team All-American team, and it had five centers on the first team. And I, maybe I'm on an island little. Threw up in your mouth a little bit. I could not possibly disagree with this sentiment more. You can get creative how you want to uh, have people lined up positionally, Right. Like we can call Oscar Sheway a forward if you want to, to be able to put him on the same team as Hunter Dickinson. But you have to have some semblance of making it look something like a basketball team that can see the floor. Right. You do not have If you go look at college football's first team All-American team. Do you see C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young and Caleb Williams and Stetson Bennett all on first-team All-American? Oh, right. No, you do not. You cannot have a first-team All-American team with five centers on it. If that happens with the AP, I swear to God, I'm going to AP headquarters and I'm, I'm, bring, I'm bringing my, my, uh, my torches and my
1: pitchforks and, and we're protesting. We're rioting. I, I, in my traditional heart, I feel like it has to be a lineup. Like you need a point guard, a couple wings, then you can go two centers because two you know big front court players that'd be fine. But like it, it needs to be it needs to be some semblance of a regular team in my opinion. So that 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 kind of stinks. That stinks actually. Yeah, you need guard
0: guard forward forward center. And if you want to call Oscar Sheehan and Armando Baycott forward, so you can put Drew Timmy at the five and have him be a center. I get it. That's fine. I can work with that. I can make it be a thing. You can't have five big guys on first team all-american
1: Mm-mm. no it's no, am i right? Guard, guard for a forward center
2: i i think what john did was he picked his five most talented most experienced but you can't you, you can't do five big men I, I just don't like it i'm more supportive of picking an actual team you can get flexible positionally but i also don't think like i don't think it's as obvious as everybody says with the five guys that that you're picking OK, I just don't. I think Marcus Sasser gets forgotten. Got to be because, on there. Because he was hurt. Mm-hmm, but but man, he, he is going to have an amazing season. He's on there. I would go Marcus Sasser, Jame Haquez, Drew Timmy, Armando Baycott, and Oscar Chibwe. I play a little bit bigger, but I'm going with those guys. That's I, I'm going with those five guys on my team. Trace Jackson Davis, great player. He's not a first-team All-American at this very moment for me, for me. Uh, and, and Trace might be offended. I wrote a feature on the, the guy over the summer. I think he's a great player, but I'm not going to put him on there. And then I, who else? Oh, I left out Hunter Dickinson. Am I throwing shade at the big 10 for no reason? No, I just, I, I think that she Baycott, and Timmy have got to be on there, mm-hmm. but by virtue of positions, guys, I gotta, I gotta get a lead guard and then I'll have hot play the two.
0: Yeah, I can, I can get behind that. Um, I I would probably have Nick Smith first team over Jaquez. Uh, I know that uh, that T.O. Oh, disagrees with you there. Oh, I, boy. I just think that Nick Smith too. is walking into a situation where by the end of the season, he's going to be playing 38 minutes a game because must only plays six guys. Uh, he's going to be in a situation where he is the guy that is the that is used to create all of the mismatches that they are going to have there. And if you look at what. Must has done over the years. He runs offense through one guy when he can find a mismatch. And I think Nick Smith is going to walk into a situation where he's on a team that is a top 10 team and average something like 17 and five assists. And if you're averaging 17 and five on a top 10 team, tell me I'm wrong, TO. Tell me I'm wrong. I see that face.
1: I have Brandon Miller as the freshman of the year in the SEC. I I don't I I like that. I just I love feel, Brandon Miller. I love yeah. Brandon Miller. I just I, I honestly, and, uh, hey, Nick Smith's very good. Nick Smith's you, very good.
0: I think you can make the argument that Brandon Miller might be a better player than Nick Smith, but the, how good of a player you are doesn't matter when it comes to averaging. I, I just think point. he's going to, I think he's walking, I think he's going to walk into a huge situation where, or a situation where he puts up huge numbers on a team that, can we all agree Arkansas is probably going to be top 10 for most of the year? Yeah. Well, not for Sydney. most of the year. They're going I play, actually
1: like the pieces around Nick Smith too, a lot. Oh Yeah. Your boy the Jordan fit Walsh him really really well at Arkansas. Your, your he's Jordan Walsh. a monster Walsh. year. He, I love that dude. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah. He's really really good. I'm
2: with you on Miller though. I like that pick.
1: Yeah. I like that. I like pick. Miller I'm lot. really
2: I'm really intrigued to see what Nate Oates does this year with such a, a new look Alabama team but but Nate Nate and Mus have been such huge additions to the SEC and, oh, and the great. jobs that they, I mean, you could not yeah. ask for better coaching hires and by those two programs. So as much as like, to me, guys, I'm curious because Alabama by some is getting picked, not nearly as high as Arkansas. I've seen Alabama outside the top 25 of some, pe- some people's polls. Like I actually like the role of Alabama. Heading into the season, kind of where they sit. than I do Arkansas. I think there's immense pressure on Arkansas. I also think Must handles things really well. I think Arkansas will be right there. But I think uh, Alabama. Some folks are sleeping on them. If you look at polls nationally, there's some people who think yeah they'll be okay.
1: Well, I, I mean, they're, they're, they're gonna be really good. They're yeah. entire one of the SEC. Me, uh, those three we were texting the other day. I, I like Alabama and, and entire one. But there not a,
2: everybody not, does. Terrence, entire, you Entire
1: know entire one. Tire you one. Mean, you mean tier one? Tier. Tire. I've heard it tire. It t- what? First tire. I've heard that. Hold on. I've heard that down here. <laughs> tier. Tire. I've never heard it. I've, I've never heard, heard that. I've heard tire one. What? <laughs> I've heard it down here. It's not me making shit up. I've heard tire one, tire two, tire three. <laughs> 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 Now I'm embarrassed because I feel like I'm I'm saying something wrong, but I've heard yeah, tire you, one, you tire you are, one, you are. three, you are and you should be. <laughs> no, heard, that must be a regional thing. Well, we might tire first tire, second tire. I've heard that. Oh, that's getting clipped. Yeah, do it. You can clip it, but I've heard so tire heard one, tire two. There? I haven't heard t- to be honest with you, you guys saying tier is one of the few times I've heard it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep it moving. All right, to uh, so anyway. Question. So d- d- tier, tier one: you, Arkansas, Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky. Like they're all very close. I think Alabama's on the bottom of that tier, but they're on the but they're in there. They're in that <laughs> conversation.
0: Just an all-time moment on the DTF podcast is that I've mean? heard tier. I've heard tire. <laughs> I've heard. That.
2: All right, you've heard both.
0: I've heard all both. Right. All right, guys. Last uh, l- last question that we got. This actually came in. From Mike Miller, who runs the Field of 68 Daily, and it's going to be a segment in the newsletter that they have coming out uh, later on this week. The most talented team in the last five years to miss the NCAA tournament was Fanta. Who do you have?
2: I have. I did some research on this. 2018-19 Alabama did not make the NCAA tournament. 2018-19 Alabama coached by Avery Johnson. This went downhill, but, but that team, when you look at the talent that they had, they had Dante Hall. They had Kira Lewis Jr. They had Herb Jones. Okay. They had John Petty like that team. They had Tevin Mack. Alabama in 2018, 19 had enough talent to make the tournament guys and they got, they did not make it, but, and that was Avery Johnson's part of his downfall. But that Alabama team was too talented to miss the NCAA tournament. They went 8-10 and 10 in the SEC. And to me, when I look at some of the teams that finished above them, South Carolina, Mississippi State, all Miss, all finished above that Alabama team. When I just gave you the names of some really good players, talented players, for that team to only go 2 above five hundred, they ended up, they ended up, uh, having a nice start to the season. But that team was one of the first four out in 2019. And talent-wise, like when you look at some of the teams that they beat early in the season, guys, they started well. They beat Arizona. They beat Penn State. Guys, they beat Kentucky. They beat Kentucky by two in early January in 2019. And then they proceeded to lose a bunch of games. LSU, A&M, Tennessee, Baylor, Auburn, Miss State, Florida, AM. That team lost way too many games down the stretch. They started the season red hot and fell off a cliff. 2018-19 Alabama with Jones and Petty and Lewis and Mack. That team was too talented to miss the tournament. They were one of the first four out. There's my team. I had
0: 2020 Alabama written down, which was the next year, which was basically the same team plus uh, Jalen Sackleford. Uh, um i have i have four others too but so
1: tio i'll let you go first i got memphis whenever they won it uh what was it 2020 2021 and they won the united uh, jeffries was a mcdonald's all-american coming out of olive branch he ends up leaving and going back to mississippi state he's still in college which is kind of wild to me uh they had a bunch of really good players lander's knowledge transferred down for virginia tech he was a good player uh boogie ellis was there and then it goes from Duke to Memphis. Now he's, a, is he Southern Cal or did he leave? I don't know. But he's, he's still been there. He's still there. He's still at Southern Cal. Damian Ball has turned out to be a good player. Uh, Lester Keona is still a good player. DeAndre Williams. I mean, it, it, that was a really talented team. And Musa Sise, who ended up transferring to Oklahoma State, was also a really good five man. It just, it's just another, another example.
0: I have, so Central I have, Memphis. I have, uh, I, I wrote six teams down. One of them was 2020 Alabama, so I have five other ones. Uh, I, for my money, the most talented team that did not make the NCAA tournament was 2021 Duke. They had Jalen Johnson. They had Matthew Hurt, Wendell Moore, Mark Williams, DJ Stewart, uh, Jamin Brightfield, who was transferred to Ole Miss and become a good role player. Henry Coleman averaged 11-7 uh, at Texas A&M last season. Jeremy Roach was on that team. Um, I also had 2021 Kentucky written down. B.J. Boston, Olivier Saar, Isaiah Jackson, Terrence Clark, Jacob Toppin. That was a really talented team um, that had a bunch of guys that were five stars that ended up transferring out and not panning out. 2020 UNC finished under five hundred with Cole Anthony, Armando Baycott, Garrison Brooks, and Leaky Black. I thought that that team was probably ones that needs, one that needs bunch to be a bunch of non-shooters. Yep. Uh, 2018 Oregon had sophomore year Peyton Pritchard. Troy Mm -hmm. Brown, Kenny Wooten, Elijah Brown, some pros on that roster. And then I wrote, literally every year, Stanford.
2: (laughs) Hey, you're right. And that's why Jared Hess has has got to put it together this season. I mean, Stanford has got to put together a better year. The Pac-12 Harrison Ingram
1: coming back is going to be good.
2: Yeah, that dog, Ingram, that – T.O., that's your ticket, right? I yeah. mean, Ingram's one of the most talented players in that league. And, guys, the league is not that strong after no. the top three or four teams. Like, Stanford should finish top five or six in that league. I don't know if they will. They probably. How won't. long
0: have we been saying that?
2: Oh, I know. They probably won't. We've, been saying, that.
0: We've been saying that for 15 years. We've been it, saying that since Johnny Dawkins first got the job. Oh, this is the year. Yep, Stanford's got it done this year. It's happening this year. All right? this I is agree. The year that They finally make it back to the tournament. And you know what happens? They end up in uh tire three
1: of the PAC 12. Yeah. That's a you, regional thing. And a, you can continue to joke and clip it if you want, but that's a regional <laughs> discrepancy. There. So I if you guys help. want to continue doing that, you can. Oh, it's going to be that's it's going it's going to be all season thing. long. You know who else? All season long.
2: The last two Xavier teams.
1: Yeah. I, was, I, I actually thought I mean, about I was, last year's Xavier team.
2: Come on. Because, that team because had the too fact much that talent.
1: they got hot at the end and won the NIT just straight through and beat some pretty good teams. Like,
2: that was they, – they have to be up there. Oh, Kobe Jones, Zach Fremantle, Jack Dungey, Adam Kunkel. I mean, and, and we'll see what their point guard situation is heading into this year. But, like, I, I think, unfortunately, we're going to find out that Travis Steele just wasn't the answer here. I, I just – that that team was way too talented. They fell off a cliff in the Big East. I mean, they yeah. started – Every year. Every year. Back-to-back every years of year. starting the season, like 10-1, and one, and then going – Like, you have to be bad in the Big East to not make the tournament after starting 10-1. and If you even go 500 in the conference, you're going to get a ticket to the dance. And they just just were bad in conference play the last couple years. Bad, bad, bad. Terrible February.
0: Yep. All right. Listen, make sure that you go check out our merch store. Make sure you go check out uh, the Field of 68 daily. If you want the Almanac, the only place that you need to go, uh, to be able to get your preview for the college basketball season. All of those links are in the description below. As always, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, share this with all of your friends, every single one of them, uh, and we will see you guys again next week to find out what else T.O. pronounces funny.
2: Tire, tire.